This is Innovating a Bright Future. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Avery Kreibold, with Innovating a Bright Future, where I walk you through the innovative and revolutionary technologies driving climate action and laying the foundation to a sustainable future. Today, I'm going to be talking to Eric Myers from Turntide. We're going to be looking at the surprising importance of electric motors, Turntide's solution to very outdated motor technology, and how we can make use of the almighty Internet of Things. I'm going to bet this episode will surprise you in one way or another. Please enjoy. So you are from Turntide, which is a electrical motors, uh, interconnectivity, Internet of Things type of company. You're working on basically a new type of motor that's going to go into systems like HVAC systems, refrigerant systems, things like that. And your goal is to basically reduce the energy consumption of those systems. Is that right? Do you want to just give me a a little bit of a breakdown of what you guys do? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's pretty close. We develop a platform for operational sustainability. Like, that's what we call it. Motors are in everything. Didn't really know that until I joined here. My my career has mostly been in uh, software. And, uh, you know, after my, my last job, I realized I really wanted to work on something that um, made a difference on the environment, and particularly in climate change. So whenever I thought about what it would take for us to really mitigate the worst of climate change, you know, thought always goes to renewable energy. And to me, renewable energy is all about, you know, building solar panels and wind farms and geothermal and such. But there's another really important part of the equation, which is consumption. And when we've thought about consumption in the past, we've tend to think about it in sort of two things. Number one, changing the energy source. So getting rid of your gasoline-powered car for an electric car. And secondly, conservation. So turn your heat down a little bit in the winter, you know, carpool with folks, etc. But the fact of the matter is those two things aren't really enough because by every measure, the demands for energy are increasing. Not just the electronics and the things that you used to do manually, you know, now you're doing on a smartphone or a PlayStation or something like that. But also because the world is getting hotter and people need more air conditioning and they're demanding it, they're expecting it. The world continues to globalize, things are being shipped around the world, and the populations are increasing. And so that means more demand for energy. And so we actually have to reduce demand, and we can't get there by conservation. It has to be done through efficiency. And that's where the motor comes in. Most of the world's electricity is consumed by motors. And I did not know that when I joined this place. You know, when I met uh, Ryan Morris, our CEO, I kind of got acquainted a little bit with the business and I, I did a little more research. I realized that what Turntide is doing is really central to addressing climate change. In fact, there is actually no path to getting to 100% renewables without upgrading the world's motors. And so that's why this felt very core to the environmental uh, mission that I was looking for in my next role. With all that being said, why are motors so important? Like, where do we see them? You said that more than or about half of the world's energy is used from 
motors, but we don't really see that as much. Can you just go through like where are the biggest uses of motors and how is Turntide going to be replacing those? So motors are in anything that uses electricity to move. And so the really obvious ones are the things we see moving around, like like cars, planes. But the less obvious ones and most of the electricity where most of the electricity is used are in the smaller motors that move things like air and water around. So if you're in a ventilated room right now, that air is getting in there because a motor is spinning a fan that is pushing the air around. And pushing an air around doesn't maybe doesn't feel like something that uses a lot of electricity, but it really does. If you're in an apartment building, that water got up to your fifth floor apartment because it was pumped there by a motor. If you're on a laptop right now, that laptop is being kept cool by a motor. So these are the motors that you deal with in, in your everyday life. But in all of physical infrastructure out there, anything that requires movement has is full of motors big and small. And so there are actually billions of motors powering the world right now. And most of them, the vast majority of them, are using a design that was patented by Nikola Tesla in the 19th century called AC induction motors. And they've been improved incrementally over time, but it's still basically the same technology. And they have a lot of limitations. Those limitations generate a lot of waste. The first and main limitation is that they really run at one speed. They You turn them on you t- or you turn them off. And so if you don't need that much energy, a lot of it ends up getting wasted because it has two speeds. Now, over the years, they've sort of built kind of add-ons to these AC induction motors that allow you to slow them down. But they're, running them at half speed doesn't use half the electricity. They actually run less efficiently as you slow them down just because of the basic limitations of design. That is sort of the big problem that we have is that all of the, like I said, more than half of the world's electricity is being consumed by motors that are using a 19th century design that uh, uh, wastes a ton of energy and we're upgrading them is really required. It's imperative for us to be able to get to 100% renewables. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of interesting that we're still using a technology that's that old. When you think of how far everything else has come, even like typical, like regular gas cars have improved quite a bit since then in a variety of different ways. Electricity has improved in a variety of different ways. Lighting has had incredible breakthroughs. For motors to be lagging that far behind is a pretty noteworthy statistic. So do you want to just give me just the basics on how these AC induction motors work and then maybe compare and contrast that to the turntide motors and how is it better? Where is the energy being lost in the old models and where can turntide actually make those improvements? Well, the reason why the AC induction motor is prevalent throughout society is that it's a simple machine that works incredibly well. It very simply and reliably transforms electricity into motion, into torque. And that is what powers physical objects that need to move. And because they're they're simple, they work, they're easy to make, they're cheap, that's why they are everywhere. What Turntide has developed is a different model of motor. Our VP of, of motor design named Piyush Desai was a uh, member of a team at Illinois Institute of Technology who went and looked at an alternative motor design. By the way, there's other types of motors out there. There's actually like dozens of types of motors out there. 
besides AC induction motors. AC induction motors just make up the vast bulk of motors out there. Another motor that's come up recently is called um, a permanent magnet motor. You'll see these in a lot of modern vehicles that are electric cars. They are more efficient than AC induction motors. The major issue with them is they are full of rare earth minerals. And rare earth minerals are controlled. 95% of the supply is controlled by China. They use it for geopolitical reasons, and it creates um, supply chain risk. And also, they're environmentally devastating to produce. Whatever you're getting in efficiency gains from it, you're giving back in the fact that it's incredibly energy intensive even to produce these minerals in the first place. So Piyush and, you know, and, and his team at Illinois Institute of Technology looked at this alternative motor form called a switch reluctance motor. And a switch reluctance motor uses reluctance force to spin the rotor within the, uh, within the, the motor body, within the casing. We do have a, a really great website on our YouTube channel if you want to understand how it works. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown on how both of these motors work. Links to visual explanations of these will be in the show notes below. AC induction motors run on a rotating electromagnetic field generated by a crisscrossing of wiring in the outer casing of the motor. This electromagnetic field then generates a loop of current within the inner piece of the motor that spins, and this loop of current in turn creates its own electromagnetic field spinning the inner rotor of the motor, which creates torque. Because there's so much wiring and current flowing in a bunch of different directions, there's so much more resistance in the wiring, and therefore a lot more energy wasted in the AC induction motor. The alignment of the two magnetic fields generated by the outer casing and the inner rotor can also overlap and cause the energy to be lost through the slowing of the motor. In comparison, switch reluctance motors from Turntide are very simple. Where there was wiring on the casing, there are now stationary electromagnets, magnets that are turned off and on when the electricity is turned off and on. The inner motor then has metal spokes that are attracted to these electromagnets, no current required. The program behind the electromagnets allows them to shut off just before the spokes align with them and cause the rotor to keep spinning onto the next electromagnet which turns on, pulling it forward and increasing its speed. This happens about 20,000 times per second, which is what allows the motor to spin as fast as it needs to. This saves a ton of energy because there's very minimal electrical current moving around, and there's almost no wiring within the system, just the electromagnets and the metal spokes. No electromagnetic fields required. What I will say is that the switch reluctance motor was, was a technology that existed. In fact, it was that the benefit of the switch reluctance motor was that it was incredibly reliable. It was not efficient. And so um, it was used in these applications where you just required 100% uptime, like cooling a nuclear power plant. So a switch reluctance motor is great because someone could like accidentally hit it with a truck or there could be an earthquake or something like that, and it would continue to run. But it wasn't very efficient. And what Piyush did and team is figure out how to tame the switch reluctance motor. And through advances in enabling technologies like power electronics and IoT, they were able to take something that was reliable but inefficient and make it efficient. In fact, like way more efficient than an AC induction motor, even an AC induction motor with a variable frequency drive attached that allows you to control the speed. 
it's still significantly more efficient. And that became the center point of the smart motor system, which is something that we commercialized about two years ago and started piloting with some customers to actually take the motor that's consuming all the electricity and have that be the starting point for an operating system that allows you to manage sustainability across your your entire building or whatever your application is. So you mentioned before at the beginning, right now our major focus is on HVAC because HVAC, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, is the largest consumer of electricity in the world. But we're also in agriculture, and we are currently in discussions around future applications that could include things like pumps, refrigeration, and transportation. Um, And you guys have a couple of different methods I saw on your website to integrating that. Your retrofitting solutions, you've managed to make it very easy to just kind of drag and drop in a new motor to replace those old, outdated and inefficient motors, which I think is going to be pretty helpful because that's one of the barriers to renovations and retrofitting solutions is that the effort and the time and the money that goes into it is often not viable for consumers. And that's where Turntide is coming in. But you're also working with OEMs, uh, original equipment manufacturers, to get this technology and these products into production for new solutions. That's right. Yeah. So the, the retrofit business is the bulk of our business today. So we've worked with uh, customers, including Five Guys, Sprout Supermarkets, you know, and, uh, and, a, and a few others. That's the, we call that the LED of motors. So basically the way that um, you're, you've sort of picked, if you're a sustainability manager or facilities manager at a lot of these companies, LED was like low-hanging fruit. Go swap out all your old incandescent fluorescent bulbs for something that's much more energy efficient, lasts longer, and pays for itself in a few years. And they've done that for the most part. Like the world uses a lot less energy on lighting than it used to because the AC, because the incandescent bulb was sort of like the AC induction motor, an old technology that worked really well for a long time. And now it's time to supplant it with something better. And so for us, you know, we've created this drop in solution that you can get on your roof, get into your HVAC system and replace that old AC induction motor with our motor. It doesn't just work better and you know run more efficiently because of the new motor, but also it allows you, it finally gives you data and insights for predictive maintenance, allows you to actually track your energy usage over time. And it's a learning machine. It gets better and smarter over time. So it can actually improve efficiency over time. But it allows you to reduce downtime because as a facilities manager, you don't have, if you manage 10 buildings, you don't have to get up on 10 roofs. You actually get the data directly there, which is something you might not have had before. And then in the OEM business, our primary OEM partner at this uh, at this time is in the agriculture space. We're working with a company called BES Artex, that is the leader in um, in in the dairy space. I'm sure you know um, the dairy industry does not have a great reputation around sustainability. However, it is a very efficient way of creating protein on an energy basis. And if we think about how we're going to feed, you know, seven or eight billion people in the world. There's a reason why a lot of countries are starting to actually establish dairy dairy industries. B as Artex is to help to assure that that is being managed sustainably, because the technology that we have co-developed with them, not just the more efficient fans, but also um, a management system called Dairy Boss, Dairy Barn Operating System, make sure that 
Uh, the cows produce a lot more milk when they're comfortable. The farm workers are happier when they're comfortable. And so we've created a system that vastly improves the health of the animals and the people in it so that milk is produced much more sustainably for lower resources and animal welfare is improved as well. That's one example. And we have a, we have a lot more of OEM relationships currently in the pipeline that hopefully we can talk about in the next like few weeks and months. So you mentioned that interconnectivity concept, the idea that, you know, like building managers wouldn't have to directly take in that data from the individual systems and then make their own adjustments. How is interconnectivity and your software bases and the Internet of Things coming into play in Turntide's technology? Because that's been a big part of the journey to making it more efficient interconnectivity, which is becoming a big part of the energy industry in general these days. So if you look at uh, what's really driving the energy efficiency in the world, it's not just the hardware, it's really the, the, the software. And so when I got here, we were called Software Motor Company. We actually were called Software Motor Company because we, we, we rebranded last year to, to Turntide. And a lot of it is because the, the basis of this company was developing a better motor. And part of what made it a better motor was that it was, it was powered by software. It wasn't just something that you turned on. A lot of the efficiency gains around the world are going to be based on applying intelligence, where today there are switches or timers that are not intelligent. They maybe rely on a human being to turn something on and off, or maybe on or off, depending on you know, what time of day it is or what the temperature is or whatever. But a lot of energy gets wasted lighting rooms where there's no people inside or heating a building that doesn't need to be heated or lighting a street where there's no living things around. And so the application of that intelligence at the, the room building, the, uh, the room level, the building level, the campus level, the city level is where the, the really like big gains are going to happen. So we're starting with the motor because the motor is where the energy is being consumed. And when you have a motor that's software powered, running your system, it's not just about managing that motor, but it's also about managing the entire system better. Now, all of a sudden, you have a powerful internet-connected computer sitting in the middle of your machine that may have been completely disconnected in the past. And that gives you tremendous power. Number one, it lets you know everything that's happening in there. So you can get a predictive maintenance alert and fix something before it breaks. And so you will know that, you know, location 12 across town um, is slowing down. You can get an alert on your phone and you can be there and fix it and there's no downtime. And so your, your business isn't harmed as a result. Your customers aren't uh, harmed as a result. But then also it allows you to see where energy is being applied, not just in whatever system the motor is powering, but all of your systems. You could connect all of them together. It allows you to see um, how your building is being lit, where energy is being drawn through other sources as well, and then connected to broader productivity systems as well. So your operational sustainability for your business is more than just energy. It's overall how your employees are operating and where your customers are. We were building a lot of this ourselves, and then we actually acquired a company a couple of months ago called Riptide. So Turntide and Riptide, just a coincidence that our names are so similar. They build building automation software 
for buildings of all sizes. In the past, building automation software has really been focused on very large buildings, like big office buildings, and the smaller buildings that like fast food restaurant, the gas station, um, the smaller office building that make up 98% of the world's buildings haven't really had a strong building automation solution. But that's what Riptide does. And so that allows us to get into buildings of all sizes and help these facilities managers manage all size buildings, not just the HVAC, but everything in it to make sure that everyone's comfortable and happy. Building automation is one of those topics that's taking place right now that's getting dangerously close to something straight out of a sci-fi movie. Building automation is basically what happens when you give a computer control over all the background operations of a building. This means that a computer system, which is linked with sensors, data analytics, and has a ton of data on things like temperature, the movement of the sun, and all those other data points that you would need to control a building, and then it uses these sensors and information to inform adjustments. They can change HVAC functions, lighting, window shading, and a bunch of other aspects, and they can do this much more quickly, accurately, and efficiently than a real human being acting as a building manager. So you mentioned that the Internet of Things and interconnectivity is eventually going to get to the point where everything in your system is probably going to be connected from where you get your energy to how you store it and to how you use it. But what are the specific uses that the Internet of Things can have for motors and turd tide? We see Internet of Things a lot in load management and time of use, trying to minimize the cost of energy usage. Do you think that's probably where the interconnectivity piece is going to come in the most? Or is there something else that Turntide is going to capitalize in a different area of the Internet of Things? You know, we're thinking about operational sustainability or sustainable operations, depending on how you want to phrase it, fairly broadly. And so what IoT does is it gives you insight into your build it, your your business and what you're spending money on, whatever system you can connect to it. The Internet of Things is a bit of a background technology that we might do a full-length episode on in the future, but for now I'll just touch on a bit of how it works. The operational sustainability that Eric mentions here is the amount of resources, especially energy, that a building or business is using. IoT, or the Internet of Things, improves this in much the same way as building automation, because building automation is a form of IoT. IoT on a broad scale uses sensors, data, and analytics software to determine where energy is being used most and least efficiently, and can suggest or even independently make adjustments within the system that can raise the overall efficiency of that system. What we really liked about Riptide and the reason we ended up connecting with them and acquiring them is because they build an open platform. And a lot of these um, platforms that exist out there today around building automation, they're not really platforms. You know, they're sort of software products and they're designed to be connected with other software products the same company makes. And what we're doing now is building a platform that has open APIs. So no matter what sort of sustainability or business management software you're using, if it's also open, you could connect it into this and you can get a more holistic view around how your business is spending money, whether that money is on energy or 
something else, right? I'm not going to go into the details of what software is and all that, honestly, because I can't. There's no way I can understand those concepts and relay them to you in a way that makes any kind of sense at all. However, it's important to note here that an API or application programming interface is the guide to what you can and can't do with software. An open API means that the foundation on which a system like building automation is built can be easily expanded on, adding processes and apps that were not made by the creator of the API originally. On the other hand, a closed API doesn't allow anyone outside the owners of the foundation to create new processes or applications. The Riptide API allowed Turntide to integrate their own motor management software to maximize the energy efficiency of the motor as well as the rest of the system. And so if you're a, um, you're a, a supermarket, a supermarket spends a lot of energy on lighting, on refrigeration, they may operate a kitchen, you know, if they're uh, frying chicken during the day or, or what have you. Um, so there's a lot of ways that it, it uses energy. And so what IoT allows them to do is bring data from all kinds of places, no matter where it is, into one dashboard that can be accessed from anywhere else. And so a facilities manager who is at store number four can know what's happening at store number 12 very easily and can make decisions without having to drive across town and, and see it directly. That greatly improves the productivity of a, bu- of a business and will help reduce their costs over time to make the business more sustainable, not just environmentally, but also financially. The less movement around and less time spent on things, the better, right? For every business, yeah. I mean, that's the exciting thing about being in climate tech right now, is that you know up until like very recently, investing in the environmental benefit of your business was considered a cost because the benefit that you got from it was maybe like PR benefit or just made you feel good about your business or maybe it got you into compliance with a regulation or something. But now, even if the climate weren't changing, it's a no-brainer to make a decision to invest in sustainability because these products pay for themselves. The smart motor system pays for itself typically in less than two years. I mean, it's like it's a no-brainer even if you weren't going to come into some sort of environmental compliance or trying to help hit the uh, Paris Agreement um, or or what have you, you should still do it anyway because it's just good business. I think that's why, you know, we're seeing such a big movement in this field because there's been, it's changing into an opportunity now where it used to be more of a cost, it's now an opportunity. And we maybe don't hear about that as much as we should. But things like the turntide motors and even solar PV for commercial uses or even personal uses, those are all long-term benefits. It's an, it's an investment, basically. You invest in something and you get a return on investment. Uh, just like turntide's return on investment is about two years. Yeah, exactly. And one of the reasons why financial investors, people who invest in companies, are also investing in climate tech at a breakneck, a breakneck pace right now, isn't just because governments are showing strong interest in reducing greenhouse gas emissions, but also because the technologies themselves are tremendous productivity investments for the businesses. The way that, say, like IT was 20 years ago, you know, 
finally like digitize your your company and you will get productivity gains um, that will pay for themselves. That is incredibly true right now with energy and, uh, and, and, and climate tech in general. So taking that into account, do you think this is going to be something that's a long-term solution that's going to come in now and it's going to continue to build and build and build until it's basically a worldwide standard that people have these new motors, but also the other types of efficiency technology like the Internet of Things and monitoring software like that, do you think it's going to get to be that widespread? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's, it has to be. You know, I mentioned at the top, there's no path to 100% renewables without upgrading the world's motors. But it's not just about making the motors more efficient. There's actually no path to 100% renewables without applying intelligence where today there isn't any. And so much of the waste, energy waste that happens today happens because there is not being there's not intelligence applied to those systems today they are they're just dumb systems that either require manual intervention or uh, very simple algorithms like what time is it or what temperature is it outside and that applied intelligence creates efficiency gains that's not incremental it's transformational and we're going to need to see that across systems of all sizes in order for us to really um, address climate change directly. Well, I think that's about all the questions I have. I have a couple of short answer questions that I want you to answer as fast as you can. Are you ready? Oh, man, this is exciting. Yeah, let's do this, Avery. All right, first question, the beach or the mountains? Mountains. Uh, Second question is research or implementation? Oh, implementation. Easy. I like seeing real stuff distributed energy or more centralized grids? Centralized grids. Really? Everyone else that I've interviewed has always said distributed. You're the first one that said centralized. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to break it up. I, I think things that are centralized can be changed more quickly. Distributed anything takes longer uh, to upgrade when there's advances. Okay. And the last one you can take a little bit more time for. Given everything that you're seeing in the industry... Uh, across the world in policy and economics and technology, do you think we can decarbonize and lower the energy usage of all of our sectors in order to comply with the goals set out by the UN and the IPCC Paris Agreement that sets carbon neutrality goals for 2050? The way you phrased that question was, can we do it? And absolutely, we can do it. The technology is there and it is approaching a level of acceleration that is like Moore's Law level. Moore's Law is the concept that the processing power of computer systems will double every two years. This means that sustainable infrastructure like renewable energy and efficiency technology are advancing at an exponential rate. They're getting better, faster. Things are getting so much better all the time, more efficient and smarter all the time, that absolutely we can do it. The question is whether we have the political will to make this change, because there is still a lot invested in legacy systems, and any change creates winners and losers. And coming up with the policy solutions that allows us to mitigate the losses from the losers so they don't stand in the way of it, especially politically, 
is really going to be the key to making the change that we need. But I am confident that the solutions exist for us to be able to make that happen. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just a matter of policy now. Okay, well, I think that's about everything I have for us. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your insights and your company and IoT devices and how everything's going to come to be interconnected and how that's going to f- to affect businesses and individuals across the globe. It's fascinating stuff. Avery, thanks a lot for having me on. This is fantastic. Well, I would say that was a pretty interesting conversation with Eric Myers from Turntide Motors, developing the next generation, or as he said, the LED of motors. There was definitely information in there that I had no idea about, so maybe you learned something too. I won't be underestimating the power of motors anymore, that's for sure. I'll put a link to Turntide's website as well as a video explaining AC induction motors in the show notes below, where you can also find all of our social media and also our Patreon if you want to support the show. This episode was illuminating for me. Hopefully you learned something new and you're inspired to learn even more. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, think of someone who might also like it and tell them to try it out. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Stay innovative. I'll see you next time.